0: what the F else is there except people. Excellence is a people thing, period. Effective enterprise is a people thing. Uh, Excellence means that other people always come first. If you care about what they care about, they will care about what you care about.
1: You know, I warned our guest uh, today that I, I'm, I'm going to accept that I'm likely unable uh, to adequately and completely introduce uh, today's guest. Uh, some adjectives, though, might get close. A prolific writer, uh, I counted 18 books off of his Wikipedia page uh, and countless other articles and contributions of writing. Uh, certainly, uh, you could call him a prolific Uh, and world-renowned speaker, Uh, thousands, yes, thousands of speeches uh, in dozens of countries, Um, and certainly numbering up uh, in, as of all the speakers that I've ever watched uh, and listened to, having been present uh, at a few of them, and also uh, on video, uh, it is an experience to watch our guest uh, work a stage. And if nothing else... Uh, will recommend to the listener that you you just jump on YouTube. Uh, My personal favorite I found in preparing was uh, his 2010 uh, speech at his alma mater of Cornell University, Um, and that alone was was worth the time. But perhaps to get to it, I can get even closer by sharing a brief story uh, of what I singularly call my greatest professional disappointment. And indirectly, our guest is a large part of that disappointment. The year was 1990, and that year, as it is about every year, our guest, uh, Mr. Tom Peters, is regarded then, as he is now, as one of the preeminent business consulting uh, gurus. They, they formed this name, Guru, uh, for those who are listening after this gentleman, I believe. Anyway, I was striving in 1990 to become what was then uh, a, a, a very hallowed position within uh, a company as a, as, a, as a trainer. And the trainer job was at a place called the Tom Peters Group in Palo Alto. And I was in a very extracted, long, drawn-out interview process with a colleague of Tom's by the name of Jim Kuzis. And I was given very exciting news that I had made it down for this position. You know, I was, I was likely going to get to work or at least meet Tom uh, because I was one of the last two candidates for this trainer job. But sure enough, as you can imagine, given that it was my greatest professional disappointment, I finished second. And I recall sitting in my apartment in Redwood Shores, California, Uh, The only time I think I have ever cried over uh, not getting something professionally and remember it very clearly to this day. So 30 years later, here we are uh, through a combination of some uh, persistence on my part uh, and some patience on behalf of uh, some folks who helped Tom uh, to put me here uh, and, for the record... Before we get to the first question, let it be known that this is the 25th podcast I've done, and except for one with Dan Pink, which was a redo, uh, Tom is the first person that I have had any social distance with uh, in doing the podcast. The rest of them, as you know, uh, for those who listen, are done in person, given that they're a conversation about conversations. So I'll get to Tom here in a second, obviously but let me tell him in front of all of you with my with all of my personal and professional heart i thank you for being here tom i really do and my question which you can start off with easy uh to let the listener and me know where are you and more importantly how are you
0: well i'm still reeling from your Number one, from the extraordinary kindness of your introduction, and number two, how incredibly irritated I am with my great friend, Jim Kuzis, who obviously <laughs> blew it.
1: Well, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Now I, I feel I am sure.
0: I'm sure I, I assure you I intend to get in touch with him the minute I hang up the phone thank and you. tell him he's a weenie for what he did. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, The practical answer to your question is uh, relative to Redwood Shores, as I did live in the Bay Area for about 30 years. uh, And mainly, uh, remember two things. This is really digressing, for which I apologize to your audience. I remember when Redwood City put up a big bullet. Board that said Palo Alto without the attitude <laughs> was <would> deserved. <laughs> and mainly, I remember that it is where the San Francisco 49ers had their practice field, and the grocery store near where I lived in Woodside, California, was where Joe Montana et al. bought their $1,000 bottles of wine. So, <laughs> so, so, there. So there. Um, <laughs> Uh, I lived in Vermont for 20 years and then about five years ago, uh, my wife and I moved to what is called the South Shore of Massachusetts, uh, 70 miles south of Boston, near what was once the wealthiest city in the United States, if not the world, Uh, Mm -hmm. New Bedford, the whaling capital of New England and the world and so on. And, uh, you know, they made their money off of whale oil until a couple of jerks in Pennsylvania discovered real oil, and that was the end of that. (laughs) And they're still reeling 100 years later. But I am in Dartmouth, Massachusetts, which is a lovely town. Um, And I am obviously, my wife and I, uh, long before the governor made his declaration yesterday, uh, decided that we would day in uh and decided before that that we would do the well six feet plus uh social distance and uh you know there are people who don't buy into that i mean my my point about it is i don't want to get sick particularly since i'm old and i don't want my wife to get sick but that's irrelevant (laughs) If I go out, I am potentially murdering other people. Yep. Period. And I refuse to use any other word than that. It's not about you. It's not even about your family. It's about the people who you inadvertently run into when you decide that you had to have that extra jar of yogurt and go to the grocery store in the morning and you know i, I you know we're we're doing home delivery from groceries but you know i really i really and i've been tweeting a lot about this it's not about you it's not about your family it is hmm. about the random human beings who you, you could literally kill if you okay. go out there and uh you know i believe that with with you know with all my whatever heart mind et cetera.
1: yeah yeah well let me um build off of that for what to many will seem like the question that you're uniquely, I'll just say it, I I uniquely was looking forward to your answer to the following. Um, So if you want to read one thing in your life as somebody who likes to learn a little bit about business, in in my opinion, you go back to to at least in my world where it, it began with all due respect to Tom's predecessors who he has raved about Tom and his uh, uh, colleague, Bob Waterman, uh, got my world started in 1981 uh, with a book called In Search of Excellence. And the reason I stress the word is Tom, for now, 40 years uh, has been at the forefront uh, of an ongoing, and I think he would agree with the word crusade. Um, yes, I would. For, for excellence, excellence in business, excellence in so many things, and, and I've benefited from it straight up. That's what's so damn exciting about this is, is my life uh, has, has been, uh, Tom, Tom has paved the way uh, f- by, by, by standing. You heard his, that answer before about murdering people. You see, Tom, you take that kind of energy and provocation and you bring it to, 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 to the world of business, and you, you link it. To this notion of excellence and here comes the question what does it i wrote this down last night right what does it feel like to you that excellence can contribute to in the face of this massive uncertainty and fear what is well what, what is i'm gonna
0: ex- give you an answer by quoting somebody else which is what i always do and i'm re the reason you hear me panting as I'm uh, trying to find the page in the quote uh, I'm actually working on a, a new book and a last book and the hardest part of writing a book is the epigraphs and uh, at the beginning and there's a guy whose name is Hugh McLeod who has mm-hmm. a website and so on called Gaping yep. Void Gaping Void, sure yeah. and he, here is here is his line Creating excellence is not a job. Creating excellence is a moral act. Yes. And I hope that's what I believe back in nineteen eighty two. Uh I think it is. Uh you know the the essence of in search of excellence in some respects. Uh, was a term that we learned, Bob Waterman and I learned, at Hewlett-Packard, when Hewlett-Packard was a lot more excellent than, unfortunately, it is today. And we were talking to the president, and he was talking about what was called, or is called, the HP Way. And he told us about MBWA. And MBWA was managing by wandering around. And I think it's a good idea, and I think it's an important idea, but it really became a metaphor for how effective leaders lead their life, and what it means is engaged, and what it means is Appreciating the work of the people who are doing the real work. It's about caring. It's about, you know, we talked about Jim Cousins. Jim writes a lot about love. It is about love. It is about care. Uh, when I did my last book in 1918,
1: 1918, oh my God.
0: Oh, come God. on. not long. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. feels <laughs> like it sometimes. Ah. 2018, I, you know, did about. 20 podcasts, and I may not be telling you the truth, but it certainly is a good approximation. Every one of them, somebody, the the speaker, and they were incredible people without exception, uh, the speaker said, well, Tom, you write a lot about people. And depending on what I decided the type of webcast it was, whether I would use the word or not, I said, in effect, what the F else is there? except people. And excellence is a people thing, period. Effective enterprise is a people thing. Uh, You know, excellence today means for me, the thing I already said, please don't murder people, stay at home. Uh, Excellence means that other people always come first. Uh, there was another quote that I recently came about came across from a, a British guy, and he said, if you care about what they care about, they will care about what you care about. And, you know, I thought that one was a powerful one and a mm-hmm. mighty one as well. But excellence is a way of life. Um, you know, I, I just wrote something down, and, and uh, you know, my parents pushed me to church when I was a little boy, and I have not... Darkened. I'm sorry to say, the the church doorways. Uh, you know, as 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 much as I should have, uh, but I did write recently. I said, and I don't. So, meaning, I don't really use words like this. I don't go that far. Not whatever it is. Uh, I said, excellence is spiritual. And I think it is. It's a it's a way of life. It's a way of working with other people. And, you know, my definition of of uh, business, which maybe I said it a million years ago, but I re- refound it while writing this new book if, if it was lost. Business is people serving people serving people. Leaders serving their frontline employees who in turn serve their customers. And, of course, when I say something like that, I am shamelessly stealing from uh, Robert Greenleaf who wrote that wonderful book mm-hmm. called Servant Leadership. Yep. And so that's my long-winded answer to your question. My yeah. apologies for the long windedness
1: No, you, you go as long and as winded as you want. Let me, let me push it though. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm in a really good way, uh, an exciting way, frankly, struggling, we're uh, struggling to adapt Um because my work is about the 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 vehicle of conversation uh not you know a conversation can be one of your speeches in front of thousands of people. A conversation can be one like this and i and I would like to believe that I certainly have my moments of 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 what you have defined and many have defined as excellent my 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 question though is I, I think it was Tom Friedman the other day who talked in The Times about. You know, there's um, BC and AC, uh, before corona and after corona. Um, And I'm really curious, really personally curious, as to whether or not you believe that what we're going through here uh, will indelibly change, maybe even heighten, the importance of connection, of communication, not even communication, but conversation even from a distance, right? I mean, what, what changes, and in your opinion, what doesn't yeah, because of
0: um, what we're going through? That's an incredibly difficult question. Uh, on the one hand, it means that an awful lot of people are using the internet, whatever term you want to use for communication. And in fact, my wife comes from a large family. And, uh, even though I don't drink, the family is having a cocktail party on Thursday and they're having it on zoom. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think that's good and wonderful with an asterisk. And because I'd like to get your reaction to this, and I refuse to say that this, to, to agree that this is a function of age. There is something about face-to-face contact, real, three-dimensional, and I'm not talking about virtual reality here, uh, that I don't think can ever be replaced. And it breaks my heart, and I'm sure breaks your heart to read about the likes of Facebook and teenagers who are going through all the crap teenagers always go through who, thanks to Facebook, think they're the worst-off people in the world because they're not having as much fun as the Facebook pictures say other people are having, and the kid's suicide rate is going up. Yep. And so this is, you know, I just read an incredible review of an incredible book that in an earlier form I'd read as well. Shoshana Zuboff, who is an HBR professor, uh, I think emeritus by now, wrote a book. It's probably a thousand pages long, and it's called Surveillance Capitalism. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she really, really cuts to the chase on the downside. Of this stuff. And so I think it is terrific that we're communicating more. Uh, And I think the technology is frightening as hell. And I think it is unconscionable that we have not done anything at the governmental level to control Google and Facebook, who now run the world as standard garden variety. Well, what the hell are Google and Facebook? I got in trouble I gave a speech to a healthcare group. I didn't get in trouble in San Francisco. <laughs> uh, and, you know, there are people, and this is not, this is, you know, BC, so it had nothing to do with the incredible um, uh, uh, world of healthcare and frontline healthcare employees today. But I said to this group of, you know, hospital administrators and others, I said, you know, I really do understand. Uh, the absolute load of bureaucratic crap that goes into dealing with the healthcare system for me, the patient or times a thousand for you. But I said, do remember, even if you're in accounting, if you're working for a hospital, you have the opportunity any morning when you come to work to make life better for an incredible number of people. (laughs) And I said, we are 30 miles North And and this is really rude, though my language will not be rude. I said, we're 30 miles north of Palo Alto, where I live, for 25 or 30 or 35 years, depending on how you do the math. And I said, down there are two companies, Facebook and Google, the people who work for them. Are the proud sons and occasionally daughters of parents who did everything, including breaking the law to get them into MIT and Stanford. And they're making $175,000 a year at the age of 23 with a computer science degree. And I said, What are Google and Facebook? They're ad agencies. And I said, I have nothing against ad agencies, whether it was mad men or what have you. But no. let's not pretend they're on a holy mission to connect the world. They are on a holy mission to get me to buy things that I don't know which foster climate change and don't need and foster climate change, etc. Uh, I'm not particularly fond of the person who is in the White House now. And I said to somebody, Mr. Zuckerberg and the person in the White House are tied for last place among 324 million Americans on my list. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's glib and it's doubtless unfair and so on and so on. But, you know, my real answer to your question is it's a mixed bag. Now, on the other side of the coin, speaking as an old person, uh, when I wrote my last book, I had a I have a favorite page. And the favorite page says, oh my God, we're facing disruptions. We're facing this. We're facing that. Oh my God. Oh my God. To be alive in 20, or 2018. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then I said, but wait a minute. My mother was born in 1909, died in 2005. And what did she go through? She went through World War One, World War Two, movies, radios, long distance phone calls, Man on the Moon, what we're going through now, by contrast, is, and she went through Great Depression, World War I, World War Two, the Cold War, is trivial by comparison, which is, you know, pretty much almost a true statement. But what I was thinking about with my mother and your question is, and I guess it's net positive, And it's not the surveillance that we're seeing today, but think about the long distance phone calls that she could make. Mm. Um, and in my day, when, when my mother got on the phone to talk to me with a long distance <laughs> phone call, she'd talk for three minutes and she'd say, I got go now. And she would hang up because the damn thing was costing so much That's money. Right. But there was a connectedness that came from that. And I remember reading something and it was about the great depression And I think the British still do this, maybe, Uh, but people rented Americans their appliances, their stove, their refrigerator, their radio, and so on. And the story I read was that when the Great Depression came along, many, many, many people gave back the stove and gave back the refrigerator, but they wouldn't give the radio back. And they wouldn't give the radio about... Back because it was about connectedness with the world, yep. which is all to say I haven't got a useful answer at all for your question. I do have a useful answer, useful answer, and the useful answer is it's really complicated.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that hasn't changed. Yeah, right. It, it will remain human. Human dynamics. People always ask, you know, how you doing, Drew? And I say, well, just toiling in the fields of human change. Right. It, yeah. It. It. it it just but it's done better i think we we found that certainly at least one point of agreement in that along with your evaluation of the president um the uh the the the, i'm I'm willing i'm willing to rank him last particularly after the uh, the, yeah yeah. i'm I'm
0: willing to say that he has significantly distanced himself from next to last (laughs) in the last few weeks The only thing I would add, since you're the conversation guy, is one of my favorite quotes, which you probably have come across, is from the former Secretary of State, Dean Rusk. And the quote is a short one, and it is, the best way to persuade someone is with your ears. And I love that.
1: (laughs) And I thank you, Tom, for, well... I could go on and on and you do have to go. I thank you for spending time with me and us uh, today. Um, It's been an honor. Thank you.